Do we want to do like a dick corner? I kind of like the idea of a dick's corner. I miss Jeff, but Jeff. Uh, welcome to the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast by the Comics Place, sponsored by Murphy's Apple Juice at murphysapplejuice.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week we get comic books on a Tuesday morning. We bring them back to the shop. We take them upstairs and sort them. We look at them. We read them. We uh, pull them all for our customers, put them in our customers' uh, subscription files, and then we Take them to our respective quiet places and read them. This week, uh, mine was in bed. Jeff's was on an airplane because he's gone. Uh, an airplane or one of the Virginias. Mm. I forgot there's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then we come back here for Wednesday. We hang out with all of our favorite comic fans. And then we come upstairs and record our podcast. Is there anything else? Well, I was distracted by that truck. Do we warn? <laughs> do we warn for spoilers? Spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, we got tons spoilers. Of spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, we talk about these books in depth. Watch out for spoilers. If you don't like that, pause the podcast. Go read your books that you care about spoilers for, and uh, then come back. Although I have heard that brain studies show that people actually. Enjoy something more if it's been spoiled. Really? I don't know if that's uh, just like not Twitter trolls. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I, 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 if someone spoiled Game of Thrones for me, all like for the show mm-hmm. or like the book, I still read up because then I'm curious of how it gets to that point. I mean, I still watch stuff when yeah. I know it's how it ends. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. if spoilers bother you like a chump, uh, pause it. Come back later. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Dead Rabbit. Number one. Kill the Wabbit. Death of the Inhumans, number four. Lone Ranger, number one. We're going to talk about Nightwing 50, Green Arrow 45, and Batman 56. We're also going to talk about Border Town, number two. Cosmic Ghost Rider, number four. And Shatterstar, number one. Also, listen, we'll probably talk a little bit about Venom, the movie that came out this week. So, uh... I hope you've seen it. We'll try not to spoil it too bad. Um, you should go see it. You should. You should go see <laughs> it. It's an experience that you should see. Yeah. yeah. And, and on the big screen? On the big screen, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. Uh, I think I would have had I would have a tougher time watching it like on DVD. I think it's easier to see it on the big screen first because of the way the symbiotes are like animated. I, the big screen kind of helps hmm. like cool. pick that out. As a... A 40-something-year-old man who's always kind of tired. Uh, I slept through about 20 minutes, I estimate, of the fight scene at the end. Oh. Uh, so I have really no idea other than a couple of little plot points that I woke up and kind of remembered hearing about. Uh, I don't know what happens in the end there, but I sure did like all the all the talking and the the setup in that movie. It was great. It took They took so much time setting Eddie Brock up to have Venom. I was I was impressed. It was a, yeah, it was like a I wouldn't would you call it a slow burn to get to it? Yeah, it was like almost half the movie, I think. It was just like four, yeah. And you know, Tom Hardy is charming. And that I mean I mean 
real quick before we come back to it, but yeah, for it being a slow burn to get that symbiote, it like wasn't like I was not entertained the first half. Yeah, like it was still interesting watching Tom Hardy play Eddie Brock. Yeah, absolutely. and that was that was totally fine. Yeah, wow. I I think everybody should go see it. I have a theory about it. I think that the people who made the movie didn't know that they were making a bad movie, but then the person who edited the movie knew that they had made a bad movie <laughs> and decided to just go all the way in and like lean into the cheese and lean into the like it is a B movie the editing in it I, I don't think that they filmed enough shots to get their continuity right like they're, oh, they're it's, sure. <laughs> it's riddled with problems if if that's what you're looking for, for sure. that's what I know <laughs> yeah like why why is your hair different in every shot why are you looking in a different place between words like they, <laughs> they, they, they every time they change angles everybody's looking in a new place um, <laughs> but it was like who gives a shit it's yeah. a lot of fun <laughs> and that yeah it was it was still good I liked it. You know, maybe if you'd had some some Murphy's apple juice for the last part of the movie that has just enough sugar to keep you awake for the end of Venom. You know, that's true. I think I'm going to, I am flagging a little bit today. I am going to open up my Murphy's apple mm. juice. God, I can't believe that their bottles sound just like beer cans. I know, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Murphy's technology. Yeah, they are high tech. You know what it is? It's because they started as cobblers before the Civil War. And then after... Uh, they realized that they could be making apple juice instead. They stopped making shoes. They started making apple juice. And in the mid-2000s, right, like a couple of years after the internet bubble burst, they got into the tech game. And uh, for some reason, like one of the pet projects for the guy was, how do we make a bottle sound like a can? And uh, dang, they figured it out. They just yeah. put this can, this bottle out about a year and a half ago. And it's the apple juice is good. The bottle is amazing. <laughs> the bottles just go great on my shelf. So uh, let's talk about Dead Rabbit Number One by Jerry Dugan, John McRae, and Mike Spicer. Okay. Uh, what did you think, Roman? It, uh, I really liked this. This was cool. I like the setup that you know we've got this X. He's not a superhero. He's not. I'm going to say he's necessarily a bad guy either. He's a bank he's, robber. I mean, yeah, in real a, life, that's a fucking bad guy well yeah but <laughs> but in the comic world you're yeah you're just like oh but yeah you're sympathetic to this guy. i just like the fact that he's retired he's you know he's whatever age he is i don't know his late 30s in his 40s and first time we see him not in a flashback he's dealing with this painful hemorrhoids and turns out he's working at walmart because he used up all the money that he was living off of that was ill-gotten gains and now he's working at walmart and <clears throat> His wife apparently is dying, and he's just a poor schlub. Yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah, I really like kind of the, the working class, uh, the working class bank robber who has to has to work for a living. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, a Walmart greeter. Oh God. Yeah, be horrible. <laughs> uh, and of course, he gets back into the game, and uh, the, like kind of the lighthearted setup takes a really dark turn about uh, <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the book, mm-hmm. and shit just goes real bad, and he deals with it. But uh, by the end of this issue, it looks like things are going to just kind of keep going bad for him. Yeah, definitely. Cause, and, and his wife, when he comes back, when she finds out that he's still kind of getting back into the game, and she points out that, you know, nowadays it's so much... It's more dangerous because there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's... That's what's going to fuck him up. 
Yeah. Um, Trevor, did you uh, did you read this? I did read this. Uh, it was one that a lot of the customers were talking about Wednesday when everybody was coming in. So I wanted to pick it up, and like you said, just the like working class bank robber, and like Roman said, he's not a hero, and he's not. I guess he's kind of. I mean, he is a bad guy, but he's this robber that's doing things for his gain, but he's got that moral conscience too. Yeah. I mean, because he goes and takes out a dude that's obviously about to do something bad, um, and then it becomes something way more, and he kind of takes it into his own hands. So it's interesting. Yeah, you, they set up to, even though he's done some bad stuff, you you like the guy, and you kind of are want to root for him. And then, yeah, stuff goes bad for his wife. I also just love his costume design. It's his costume design's awesome. When we were at uh, the Image Expo this, uh, like, in... February or March or whatever, um, the uh, the creators came out and talked for a little bit, and John McRae, the artist, actually wore that costume on the stage, <laughs> and he came out dressed like that and hung out like that for about half of the presentation, and he took it off. He's like, man, it's fucking sweaty in that thing. <laughs> um, but he has a better kind of British accent than I do. I love it. Because it's real. <laughs> I think it was you, Rome, that I was talking about. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the... the X's on the the mask kept reminding me of like Dead Mouse, so I kept saying it looks oh, yeah. like it looks like Dead Mouse and Green Hornet had like a comic superhero baby, mm-hmm. and this is it, and it's yeah. a dead rabbit. So, well, and his like yeah, his cap kind of signifies working class. Yeah, he's, yeah, just a dude. I love it. Yeah, and I like the little details um, that show that you know he's he's of course he's skilled in everything, but he's not like a Batman level fighter. At one point when he falls, that guy. <clears throat> that he's figured out because of what he's buying at Walmart. He's figured out he's like trying to dissolve bodies. Falls him into his house, attacks him, and there's his partner comes down the stairs and stops halfway down the stairs and has a shotgun leveled at uh, our hero. Dead rabbit. And dead rabbit. And the, and the way dead rabbit stops him, I, I just love this detail. He, he's, he wears brass knucks, and he punches through the banister of the stairwell, doesn't hit the guy's legs, but he just punches through, has his arm there, and the guy in his panic and surprise just trips over his arm and falls down the stairs. Yeah, so that was good. Dies, yeah, yeah I, I really like how smart that is on Dead Rabbit's part. <laughs> yeah, and you were talking about earlier how you were saying it must be painful to like punch something with brass knucks. Like it seems like it would just hit your fist and stuff. They do a good job showing that too later in the, like the last couple pages. You can see his hands are bleeding from punching oh. with the thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a clear sign for his wife to notice too, because it didn't look like he got hurt. Um, so the first time reading through, I didn't think about that until you pointed out a couple minutes ago about brass knucks and like mm. hurting your hand. That, that's how his hand was bleeding. Yeah. 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 Um, very did, realistic. Did you guys ever read Hitman? The comic? No. Okay. okay. I watched those movies. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no. This is, this is the Garth Ennis comic book, mm-hmm. Hitman, and it's, um, Illustrated by John McRae. I think John McRae drew all 60 issues, mm. and uh, it's really, really good. This art is a little bit, I guess, like a little sketchier. You can see the lines, and he's, he's doing a different thing with the shading and everything. Um, when I first looked through it, I was like, oh, man, I want the old John McRae back. And then by the end of the issue, I was like, okay. I kind of felt this that. Is solid. Yeah, I kind of felt that way, too. And I didn't end up enjoying it, but... I forgot it was John McRae, except for the faces. I kind of forgot it was John McRae because it looks a little Sean Murphy esque. Yeah, yeah, all the all the extra lines and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I I really like how horrible the bad guys were in this, and it's just like two dudes who have some people trapped in their basement. Yeah, 
It's uh, it's some gross, sketchy shit. And yeah. I like that it alludes to it more. Cause, I mean, this is where I got the part that he's like, yeah, he's like robbed banks and st- or stole from people, but he has like that kind of moral compass. Because even when you go back to it's like one of the first couple pages after his hemorrhoids page, see like the flashback, like even like people he's chasing down are like offering him money, and it's not the money for him. For certain people, it's whatever they did. Yeah, crossed him. Uh, but I also love before too how like while they're talking about Dead Rabbit, like letting readers know who he is and what makes him so famous, like it's an exaggeration of what really happened. And he keeps talking about he remembered it differently. But I yeah. love this one where it's the Cinco de Mayo riot <laughs> that Dead Rabbit started in '92, and it's him in a <laughs> punching through a pinata. Yeah, yeah. At a party. He's beating a dude. <laughs> he's beating a dude in the head with a pinata. It's great. It, so that scene actually made me think. Like, oh, are we? Is, are they setting us up for a Deadpool kind of character? That's what I thought, too. Uh, but I'm glad it didn't go that direction. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's still good. Uh, yeah, it was really, yeah, really good. I am looking forward to reading the next issue of this one, just to see what happens. Because yeah, you find out that one of the people he stole money from is after him, kind of. Yeah. So I'm kind of open to hear like more about like how much he stole and what made him such like a like high priority for this dude. Yeah, why the guy's so mad at him? Yeah, cuz he thinks that he stole like 12 million or something, but it wasn't that much right. apparently. So Right. Like everything got mm-hmm. lost in translation, so there might be like more to the backstory that somebody else might have got the money, who knows, but I'm exci- I'm excited to see what this guy does about it. Uh I don't think it's a necessarily a limited series, at least not that we know of so far. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, hopefully we get a whole bunch of issues cuz I I think I would read this every every time it came out. Yeah. Top yeah. of the pile. It's got a great logo too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it. before that that's a dead rabbit right in the center. Yep. <laughs> yep. Super good. Um, well, I would give this. Uh, I'd give this book an eight. Uh, it doesn't break any new ground, but it's really solid. I would give it an eight too. I had fun reading it. Yeah. I'm glad I picked it up, and so many customers were talking about it and got me interested. Nice. Yeah, I'd definitely give it an eight. You know what we didn't do? What's that? <laughs> I know you guys think I'm setting us up for a Murphy's apple juice plug, but um, we didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Django, oh. and I drink Murphy's apple juice. I'm Trevor. I also drink Murphy's apple juice. And I'm Roman, and I drink Murphy's apple juice with my cheesecake. There you go. Um, all right, so death wash of- down that cheese taste. <laughs> yeah. Cheese. <laughs> oh, Give me some apple <laughs> juice. Cheese and apples. Cheese and apples. <laughs> death of the Inhumans, number four. Oh, boy. By Donnie Cates with Ariel Olivetti on art and Jordi Belair on colors. Man, what is quite a team. team. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. I didn't realize that when I read it. <laughs> I did not read this. Flipping through it, I, I <laughs> this, this doesn't look like Ariel Olivetti to me. No, it doesn't. What would you guys think? What an issue. I keep saying uh, to everybody that I've talked about it, I feel like for some reason people are irrationally – you know, punishing Inhumans after that ABC show. <laughs> They're really wanting to make sure that they don't come back. And this issue, this issue is just solidifying it. It is just, every issue has just been depressing and just sad. And like, it just does not seem like good endings for any of the characters. You're just in killing this. everybody. Yeah. But still very, very good. And I feel like for a limited series, the storytelling was really good. I like how it started up with this hidden, uh, history of uh, Lockjaw and Beta Ray Bill. Mm, yeah. Because Beta Ray Bill shows up in the last issue, and you find out in this 
that apparently they've had a secret warrior like brothers bond together and they've had many adventures. So Beta Ray Bill is asked to come help deal with this problem of the Kree hunting down Inhumans. So he's going with them to fight the Inhumans. Did Meanwhile, he, d- does he jump out of Lockjaw's mouth on that second page or third page? Uh, his hammer gets spit out of his mouth. Yeah, because the bad guys, whoever he's fighting, oh, Blastar put Stormbreaker into some negative part universe, of the negative yeah. zone. And, and, oh, okay. and, then, and Lockjaw fetched it, basically. Okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, so, yeah, they got Beta Ray Bill going to help them. Meanwhile, Black Bolt is in this Kree area trying to escape after his, slit was, his throat got slit open. And like stitched back together, so he has like barely a voice. And as he's escaping, he gets confronted by uh, this villain named Vox. By Vox, yeah. Which, which they... is voice. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yep, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> and they go into fighting, and Beta Ray Bill shows up and whacks him good in the head. I mean, all it took was one Beta Ray Bill to solve their problem, but then one of the Inhumans. Uh, Medusa's sister ends up getting vaporized and as they are pummeling this Vox to death they find out that it's actually Black Bolt's brother Mad Max oh yeah so yeah, then that's where, the, that's where the big twist comes in where they find out that all the Inhumans that looked like they were killed might not have actually been killed but teleported because that's yeah, something that's Max the first twist <laughs> that's something Lockjaw can do Oh, yeah, okay. And that, that was the first twist that maybe all the all the times that Vox was using his powers, it looked like he was disintegrating people. They might have just been teleported. And then the next big twist is that it confirms that with Lockjaw, but you're finding out that the Inhumans that are being captured are being cut up and reassembled to turn into new Voxes. And there's a factory line of them being assembled. <laughs> so they are they, they aren't dying like we think that they're dying. No, they're dying in a but different they're being, way. They're being killed after the fact. Yeah, like the so final means, page is just that means that we can tell Suzanne Parker she can keep buying it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't have to mourn Lockjaw yet. Yeah. She doesn't. Yeah. There's one more there's one more issue of this, <laughs> which yeah, I don't know how they're gonna settle that in one last issue. Donnie Cates just has some awesome, crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Poor Inhumans. Wow, that sounds awesome. I, I really like the, I like the art. The yeah, art is, I really like the art in this one. One, of, yeah, I did too. And one of the things I liked was in this issue, and maybe in previous issues, I'm not sure, but especially in this one, I noticed you see hints when, like flashbacks of Lockjaw, and then other Inhumans getting killed supposedly, and you see in the art that oh, wait, that's the same effect. Same yeah, bubbles. Yeah. So. Um, Man, his brother still cut his throat, though. It, yeah, yeah. Except he's been voxed, which he didn't seem to know until they like broke broke him out of the armor. So, well, it might not have been the same one, though. Is the thing because oh, there was there was one from the very beginning in the very first issue that showed up, and then one did slit his throat, but it may may or may not have been the brother because the first one had the wings. 
earlier. And so yeah, all we know is it it's the brother's head. Yeah, it could it could be somebody else's mm. arms. Yeah, like it. So yeah. when it could have yeah, so the original Vox might still be around, or it's just another Inhuman that was captured earlier and morphed. So who knows? That's awesome. Yeah, it's so dark, just messed up. I love it. Uh, I, God. Every time we get to like issue three or four of a Donny Cates series and I'm not reading, I'm kind of bummed that I'm not reading it. <laughs> and th- now it's too late. Like, I'm never, I don't have time to read four comics to catch up. Are you crazy? <laughs> Listen, you're never, sure you you're never too far behind to watch the Inhumans die. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't read Thanos Wins, man. Neither, neither have I. It's yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> uh, what yeah. do you guys, uh, you know, what do you give it? Super sad and makes me really bummed about this comic, but I have to give it. I have to give it an eight. It was. I like the. I like the the story that went on through this and the twists that happened. Um, like actually made me sit up while reading it. Right where I was at, like the first twist was like, oh, that's pretty smart, and then the final page was like, oh no, I gotta wait a month to find out now what's going on. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Kate's has done like a really good job on this one. As sad as the story is, like really having me emotionally invested because I got into the Inhumans like last year and reading a lot of their stuff and it's like they're very cool characters and now they're going away so I'm kind of bummed about that but he's doing a job like having me feel for it yeah so yeah, yeah I give it an 8 what do you got Romy? I, I'm, I'm trying to decide if it's going to be a 9.5 or if I'm going to go full 10 Jesus I love this cover too. The Medusa cover, the cover is so yeah. sad. And you hate the Inhumans having all their arms and legs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't give it a ten. What the all hell? All right, boom. Ten Frank. What's Jeff's sound effect for when you give a ten? Boosh. Oh, is that? I don't know. Is that it? <laughs> uh, like insert laser sound effects or something. Pew, pew, pew. Air horns every time you give it a ten. <laughs> Auga. <laughs> All right, so we've, we we talked about Jerry Duggan, who okay. we generally like, right? I he think so. Analog, I'm, like the only thing of his that I didn't I haven't read that one. I wasn't head over heels for was the uh, Old Man Logan. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, like I I just don't really care about those Hulk characters, and was dragging on a little bit long. But mm-hmm. when when you unleash him from uh, like the the Marvel code of of standards, I think he's really good. Um, and we've got the Death of the Inhumans, which is our other favorite guy, Donnie Cates. Let's talk about Mark Russell <laughs> and the Lone Ranger number one. Mark uh, Russell. Written by our favorite, Mark Russell, with art and colors by Bob Q. This is awesome. <laughs> it was. It was awesome. <laughs> this is like <laughs> politics of the Wild West meets... Kind of like slapstick gags, yeah. I guess, and it's it's yeah. really really well illustrated to give you the idea of what's going on with the slapstick gags. Like in the very beginning, this guy is out on the open range wrangling his his cattle, and he runs into some barbed wire, and he's like, "Wait, this barbed wire doesn't belong here. This is my land. Like, what? Who fenced off the middle of my land?" And these guys who put the barbed wire up come up and they like challenge him. They're like, "Yeah, this is uh, it's where the barbed wire is. Kind of fuck off." And the guy says, well, no, I, I, think, uh, I think you need to see my deed uh, to show where the land is. And the guy says, well, deed's all the way back at the ranch. My shotgun's right here. 
And the guy says, well, lucky for you, I tattooed the, the land deed on the belly of my horse. And he makes the horse lay down and shows him the, the land. And the guy's like, the, the, I mean, the guy still doesn't care, but just the, like, the silly audacity of tattooing your land on the belly of your shaven horse is, <laughs> that's, that gets me right in my fun zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to admire the efficiency. That's a great idea. Uh, and then Poor beyond horse. that, it's it's kind of like it's like politics where these guys are trying to push through. I think it's like Senate resolutions or something. To yeah, one of them's trying to become senator, and he's buying his cronies' favor by promising them, like you know, put your fences wherever you want. We're gonna fence off, section off all of Texas. Yeah. So nobody, the free ranging cowboys or Native Americans. None of them are going to have anything. It's all going to be ours. Yeah. And uh, the Lone Ranger himself is listening to yeah. all of that. Do we? What is the Lone Ranger's name? The Lone Ranger. <laughs> is this? <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's John Reed. John? John Reed. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, I don't think I ever knew the Lone Ranger's secret identity. I didn't know. Huh. I don't know if I knew that from the show or. The radio programs or from a comic book? I don't know. <clears throat> I'm going to pretend it's the radio programs that you listened to as they were coming out <laughs> on the radio. And uh, I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, 30, 36 years old, uh, old now. Yeah, I'm listening to those stories. Listening to that stuff in the 30s. Is this fancy gentleman here with the nice mustache eating a wiener? He is. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that the villain? That, that's one of the villains, all right. Oh, you can man. tell by his mustache. Yeah. Well, I was about to pay respects to that nice mustache. <laughs> well, he's a dick. Ah, oh, damn. I really liked, uh, at, at the end of the issue, um, the Lone Ranger rides and rides and rides and rides and finds Tonto's camp. There's, there's just kind of a good, a good little reveal of Tonto when, uh, when the Lone Ranger tries to find him. And the next issue looks like it's going to... The, the cover has Tonto, but he's wearing the Lone Ranger's mask. And, and I liked is. how this had the nods to Lone Ranger lore, lore. Like, apparently his horse, Silver, understands words like rendezvous and, yeah. and understands the plan the Lone Ranger's yelling out to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super, super silly. And then also, like, the political stuff should be real dry. Yeah. You should you should be nodding off while you read it. And it's uh, Mark, Mark Russell managed to... Keep me engaged in that for pages and pages at a time. Yeah, that was fascinating. The guy that's running for senator, his dialogue and speeches and everything is like, oh, what a slime ball. And it's mm-hmm. totally convincing. Yeah. And I love the one graphic he used to show the show the guys to convince them to go along with the plan is of the uh, county they're in and just all sectioned off with barbed wire grids. Yeah. Really drove home the point of what's happening here. Uh, yeah. Well, I would... Man, I would give this uh, seven and a half, I think, and uh, I'm definitely going to keep reading it. Yeah, yeah, seven and a half. And do you want to mention the little, just a cute little trivia about John Reed? Uh, what that he is the uh, nephew, great great grandnephew, something 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 of the Green Hornet. Well, the Green Hornet would be or Green Hornet. Green Hornet, 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 Hornet is his nephew. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Uh, I didn't get to read it yet, but anything that can have like a story where it's not supposed to be super slapstick, but casually throwing a horse tattooed with a land, like a land map gets, Dude. gets me, gets me on board. I like that. Like, oh, actually I got the map right here. Don't worry about it. Did you read, um, 
Flintstones? I did read Flintstones, and I enjoyed that a lot. It's the same writer, and his stuff His stuff just kind of nails this weird tone of, I don't know, He's. I think he's kind of weirdly smart, and mm. I, I feel like he probably spends as much time rewriting his stuff until it's super polished as other people uh, like Donny Cates spend just kind of vomiting stuff out on the page. Like, it's just his, his – Mark Russell seems like he had a he had a plan and then he fixed it and then he fixed it and he fixed it and he fixed it and he puts out this thing that is just so. Just it's kidding. like his, he doesn't waste a lot of words. He doesn't waste a lot of time. He, he packs a lot into an issue without – without seeming overly wordy or anything. And Donny Cates is just like, strap in, I'm making this shit up as I go. Let's talk about Green Arrow 45. Let's do it. Which is kind of a tie-in with Heroes in Crisis. Jeez, Heroes in Crisis. I think this is, to start off, I think this is the was the best of their... Uh, foil covers for foil that, covers that release this week. This week. Yeah. Most of these foil Loved covers it. I don't like, but this one is awesome. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this Green Arrow 45 is really sad, and it just cemented... Cemented everything that I didn't want to happen after that Heroes in Crisis number one, the the loss of the loss of a character that I felt had barely begun to be part of the DC Rebirth universe, even though he was in Titans, and for me it was like my sidekick character that I enjoyed the most because like my brothers grew up enjoying Batman and Robin and. I wanted to be unique and different, so I chose PNW Batman and PNW Robin. So I went with Green Arrow <laughs> and Speedy. So this one hurt me just on my childhood rebelliousness of picking the knockoff to Batman. But I really love Green Arrow's character, and for his his sidekick to go was a real bummer. And this issue, like, I mean, did a real good job of like talking about the struggles of Oliver Queen's relationship with him, and you know, being both a father figure, a mentor, and a partner, and how, like, the regrets and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of it, and not not really completely seeing and understanding what Roy was going through, mm-hmm. and not knowing enough, and, the re- and, like, just the regret of, you know, not seeing it right before the final moments, like that, like, I can't imagine that moment of, you know, someone that you know and have known for so long and care about, and then not really really taking for granted the moment that you have with them before it's too late. Yeah. Like, and all the regrets that you have at that moment, like he wasn't in the right headspace and wasn't really listening to Roy. And then it was too late after that was super gut wrenching. Did you, did you like the decision to basically set the whole thing at a funeral? Uh, I was okay with it. I, I mean, if it, if it was him going around, to the Justice League members outside of the funeral, I would have been fine with that too. Mm-hmm. It worked. It would have worked. But, I mean, I got kind of caught up in just, like, the story of, like, his relationship with Roy and then other people's relationship with outside of Roy. So it didn't hurt It didn't hurt me too much. I'll tell you what I liked the most in this S- issue was... Superman? Yeah when, yeah, when he punches Superman and just... Clark's face is almost completely obscured by Ollie's fist mm-hmm. and... But you can still see that Superman's kind of like, you know I'm Superman. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to punch me? This doesn't make any sense. 
It's like that human grief emotion. Like, yeah. It's so, I love that like so yeah. much. And yeah. then, then he said he would like break every bone in his body to keep punching. Like that's how much he yeah. would punch the man of steel over and over again. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how mad he is and like hurt by this. And then the big almost reveal of him saying that he could take down the justice league was also <laughs> got me on the edge of my seat. I was like, Oh my God, are they going to do it right here? Like what a, what a reveal. But do you didn't. think he could? Whatever they gave him at the end of No Justice, he could. Oh, I guess I didn't read No Justice. Yeah, Mar- er, Martian Manhunter gave him a box with something that could take down the Justice League, and he hid it somewhere. I can't. I think he put it in the back of a car or something, and it's hidden. And if he ever, if the Justice League ever gets out of line, he's told to use that box, and it can take down the Justice League. Uh, huh. Superman cool. had a box like that that had a kryptonite ring in it. And yeah. then, and then, I mean, Batman gave had Batman, didn't he? Tower. What was the what was the story that Batman did? Tower of Tower of Babel. Babel. Yeah, it was like in the Grant Morrison run where all of Batman's plans to defeat the Justice League. Oh yeah, got leaked, and they also did an animated movie of that. So I'm wondering if that's mm-hmm. going to be something similar coming up too. Is another like take on that because that's going to be really Justice was basically that too. Injustice? No, just Justice. Justice. justice yeah, yeah okay. the Mark Wade series. Okay. Kind of had had bits of that. Well, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, this was sad. Uh, I mean, it just <clears throat> it makes me bummed. And I mean, even after reading that article about Tom King saying all the heroes that died in Heroes in Crisis so far dead, dead. Nice. So if anybody that if anybody's coming back, it's on like any other writer in their own series to bring them back. So good, and they have to wait till his book is done. I hope. Yeah. As like a, if you're if you're gonna write a story about PTSD mm-hmm. and you're gonna kill a bunch of characters, fucking kill the characters. Mm-hmm. Don't play around with it. Uh, don't them. don't say that Lockjaw was teleporting them away. Yeah, like hurt me to tell this story about people being hurt. Mm-hmm. I I think that's super important. And I mean, honestly, if they haven't been using this guy, Speedy, they they used him for Titans up to like issue twenty or something, and then they had him for that Red Hood annual before the new Red Hood outfit, where he had like an emotional like two page like sometimes I think I'm gonna die speech. And, and then, then they killed him. And then a goodbye. Yeah, and they did that in a Green Arrow issue where it was right before he left for the sanctuary. It was like, hey, I got to go do a thing, but I, I'll see you around. I'll miss you. Something. I was like, oh, my God. Awesome. I well, thought I was going to be strong. Like, you know, especially reading that article. Like, okay, Wally's gone. This is gone. But I'm not. Like, I saw Lagoon Boy died after my second read through of Heroes in Crisis, and I'm weak, and I'm sad. I'm never going to see Lagoon Boy again. <laughs> too, gone too soon. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm being disrespectful calling him Speedy, Roy. Because I can't remember what his current superhero his cur- name was. Arsenal. It, was, it went by it, Arsenal? It went by Arsenal, yeah. Because it was Red Arrow for a while. Is yep. that because that, that, that boy has a, a Sunol like an arse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his, Oliver's <laughs> sister is now Red Arrow. So there's no Speedy anymore. Oliver has a sister? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has a sister. Oh, okay. A half-sister. <laughs> they had to do it because the show had a sister. Oh. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She was speedy the in the show, so they just had to... Oh. Come on, Roman. Keep up. <laughs> I don't watch the show. I really like <laughs> the fact... watch the first three seasons, though. <laughs> I really like the fact it was set at the funeral, because I like Ollie realizing from other people's words all the stuff he wasn't in the moment and wasn't there mm-hmm. for Roy. Yeah. And just how that keeps compounding on his grief. Mm-hmm. Like when he's talking to this one girl he's never met before, sitting at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and... Um, and he, and he says he made us all 
climb up here however high we are for this random spot. And she points out it's not random. Yeah, it's, where that he, was, it's where Roy decided to get sober. And Ollie didn't even know that. Yeah. It's like, that's wow. so rough. Talk about making you feel like crap if you're Ollie. <laughs> Listen, Eli's at home right now. He probably ate a 16-ounce can of beans for dinner. <laughs> You're making me feel bad right now, Roman. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you were here for them all night. <clears throat> you get updates on those bean digestions. Oh, yeah. Um, this is so traumatic. Man. So this would be nice, I think, if it signified somehow that it was part of Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, they. I mean, they and the solici- solicitations they. They do a good job of mentioning that. Yeah, but and it's like all, nowhere on the issue. Nowhere on the issue. All they say is right in, what is it, like the three. second? Yeah, page three, Sea Heroes in Crisis. So, I mean, that's kind of a bummer, but I mean. Well, yeah, I was wondering, how would you do that tastefully? I mean, we don't want like a Heroes in Crisis banner across the top. but Just yeah. a little Heroes in Crisis logo, you know, down in the corner. That'd mm-hmm. be fine. Little, uh, little picture of. Roy Harper with X's over his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like how dead, they, dead rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> or like, like how they do the Marvel banner with like all the characters up on the side, like just do mm-hmm. X's over their eyes though. Like drawn yeah. in. Yeah. Sad. Ugh, making me sad. <laughs> well, what do you guys give this one? 9.5. I'll give, yeah, I'd give this a nine actually. Yeah. It was really good. I just, uh, I'd give it a seven. I'm sad. I, I'm heartless. Maybe I'll give it an eight point five. No, you already did it. Okay, good enough. You already did it. <laughs> ratings are ra- it's your ratings are ratings. Phil, you can't undo your ratings. Can he do Stone. that? No, Phil. Phil just shrugged. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can do it or not. So you, you're giving I'll, it I'll, somewhere between a seven point five and a nine point five. I'll, I'll, I'll stay somewhere between an eight point five and a nine. I just, I don't know. It. I guess it fleshed out Ollie a lot. So it's probably a great Green Arrow issue. I am not reading Green Arrow, and I haven't for a long time, and I don't... Fleshed out Roy more, too. Yeah. Because I don't really know much about his role in the New 52 mm-hmm. outside of Red Hood and the Outlaws, and I didn't read much of that yet. And I read a little bit of the Titans, but they kind of didn't have much of Roy and Green Arrow together yeah. early on. So this was something nice to see, like, all the stuff from pre-New 52 to why they weren't together kind of come back. I guess it just is a painful issue and yeah this week if, was painful if it's, if it's building towards something in heroes in crisis cool but if it's i don't know i can't i can't really vocalize it mm-hmm. uh, well yeah, I, I mean i expect that ollie's gonna be uh, I hope uh, tying into Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, that's maybe what I'm hoping too. Yeah. Over there, kind of jumping into it, like you know, out of personal, like personal reasons now, and yeah. kind of, and it like may or may not conflict with like whatever investigation that they're doing with Batman. Like his emotions are getting him like too close to whatever he's doing. But because yeah, if they just if they just go from this and don't continue on, like I'm gonna be kind of bummed about it because they're jumping right back into the story they're doing. But I would be okay if they continue this a little bit more in Heroes in Crisis, even if it was a nine, like a nine-panel like interview of Oliver, yeah. like talking about it, and maybe after processing it more, kind of thing. Not so this that was uh, <laughs> Green Arrow number forty-five by Julie Benson and Shauna Benson. R.I.P. Roy. With, yeah, not, uh, Javier Fernandez on art and John Callis John Callas on colors. I'm not familiar with them because I haven't read any Green Arrow Rebirth either, but. 
this really felt like Green Arrow, classic Green Arrow. You know, it was good. They, yeah, he's emotional, and he's if, that if, thing looks like a Superman. He's not afraid to. If you ever get the time on to read like that, if you ever get time to read the volume of Green Arrow Rebirth, I would highly recommend it. They did a yeah. really good job telling like a year long story that had really good payoff to get back to like classic Green Arrow. Hmm. And I, I was, I wasn't sure in the beginning, but then as it kept going. It like it, it was like a slow burn that had like a really nice payoff, and I was really happy with that. Nice. And it cool. talked a lot about like so much stuff that was so relevant to the time. Cool, good. Well, I think we should uh, briefly touch on Dick Town. Dicks. <laughs> we should. T- I wonder we where you're touch going on with that. Dick. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, gosh, a couple weeks ago, Dick Grayson got shot in the head by the KG Beast. And this Sweet name. week we find out in Batman 56 what Batman's doing about it, and we find out in Nightwing number 50 what's going on with Dick Grayson uh, slash Nightwing slash Rick, Rich, Ricardo. Gray, Grayson. Yeah, whatever. He goes by whatever. Whatever his name is. So uh, Nightwing number 50 is by – come on, guys. Stall for me. Stall for me. I don't know. It's cheesecake. This Murphy's is helping wash it down. It's, uh, oh, by Murphy's. Benjamin Percy, Travis Moore, Chris Mooneyham, and Klaus Janssen, uh, drawing Tamara Bonavillain, Nick Filardi, and John Callis on colors. Hmm. Wow, that guy's hey, that's that's DC's new favorite colorist. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the Nightwing book alternates between right now after he's been shot in the head and. Back in the olden days when he's hanging out with Batman. And that's that kind of mirrors the Batman number 55. I love me a braided story. Do you? Oh, yeah. So this one has different artists. It's got um, Klaus Janssen doing the flashbacks. And it's got, I guess, Travis Moore and Chris Mooneyham doing the, the main story, the present day story. I really liked it all. Mm. All of the art, I think, was awesome. But there was a decision that somebody made where they had they, they established a pattern. One art style for the modern day, one art style for the for the past. And then the last three pages are set now with the artists that they've been using for the past for the whole time. Maybe that is in the past. It says Bloodhaven now. Nice try. Trevor. It'll be in the past when the next issue comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess what we learned is that Nightwing, after he gets shot in the head, is kind of a butthead. He uh, he beats people up. He doesn't remember being Nightwing. He doesn't remember Barbara. He's, like, hanging out and drinking at bars and, uh, like, beating the shit out of bad guys. He's, he's just kind of... Uh, yeah, and they doesn't give a shit. Yeah, they talked about that with like at the beginning of the issue. So he's got like motor function issues going on, like mood swings, like memory issues on and off. Because he talks about it at the end. I mean, he shows him in the his Nightwing cave or whatever, and maybe that's part of like Barbara and some of them trying to tell him to get him to remember, right? Remember, and he talks about Nightwing a little bit. So maybe he does know some of it, but doesn't recollect it. He just yeah. knows that he was. Yeah. So it's kind of this weird. Weird thing going on. So yeah, he's he's got a big identity crisis thing going on right now. Mm, you can't say identity crisis no. anymore. No, no, it's a DC thing. <sighs> you got to say identity crisis TM. Identity crisis TM. Okay. <laughs> um, well, they're also getting just a capital on amnesia stuff going right now because Batman just had amnesia in the New Fifty Two recently, 
In the new 52? Yeah, he lost his memory oh, after a cave right. villain. And then right. it was a whole thing of whether or not he I wanted forgot. to go back to being Batman. And they're about to do that with Aquaman, it sounds like, in Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. Are they going to hit Aquaman in the head and <laughs> turn him into a brunette with a beard? And <laughs> the, he's going he's gonna, to... Maori tattoos. Yeah, yeah. and then they're going to be like, no, you've always been a brunette. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I think they said that he's going to wake up on an island with amnesia. It's like, man, the amnesia thing is really playing hard into this, uh, into DC right now. But so I just like how much Nightwing chest we got in this issue. <laughs> a lot of hairy, like, open yeah, I like chest. how the hair yeah. seems to be in the shape of his, his symbol. Oh, yeah. If anything, I would think the hair around the symbol would be there and not there because a lot of chafing of the symbol. I mean, mm. who knows? Who knows what the rest of his shirt's made out of? That's Maybe true. the symbol is made out of some sort of like that keeps the hair super soft thing made out of mostly yeah. foreskin, and, or and that's something. like that's long term planning because he's manscaping for that to yeah. be like that. And then when he's, you know, when he he goes on a nice date, someone's like, "Are you Nightwing?" He's like, "No, I'm just a big fan." <laughs> yeah, I just really, I just really like Nightwing guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, when he when he bothers to put any kind of shirt or hoodie on, it's undone down to the bottom of his sternum. I mean, he's he's. He's just one less article clothing away from being a DC black label character. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, he's Fingers in his whitey tighties at one point. Fingers crossed. He's got the name for it. He does. Um, so at the same time that that's happening, we've got Batman 56 with Tom King writing it, David Finch drawing it. Yes. And uh, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's a colorist that we are all very familiar with. Um, Tommy Umori coloring it. It's... Batman trying to figure out who shot Nightwing, and at the same time, like that's juxtaposed with the KG Beast, who did shoot Nightwing, uh, going home and hanging out with his dad. And, man, I like it when Batman just goes down the list of, okay, I need to know this thing. What's the first thing I do? I'm going to ask this guy. He's going to give me a lead. Then I'm going to go ask that guy. Then I'm going to trick this other guy into doing the thing, so he's going to have to like brag to me when he's got me in a death trap. And I'm gonna that was a big escape. Trip. Oh yeah, it was great. I wasn't expecting KGB to know someone from Apocalypse kind of thing. That was yeah. a, that was a fun thing. Yeah, and it just makes me kind of wonder why every villain thinks it's a good idea to you know kill one of Batman's Robins because that I think that just makes Batman more unstoppable because then he just goes on this just slow walking unstoppable force. Turns into like, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, Wayne. <laughs> Um, John Wick, everything. He just, you can't stop him. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. It, it, did we see KG Beast hanging out with Bane? No, we didn't. At the end of number 50? I didn't see him at the end of that one. So, I mean, this has to be part of Bane's plan. I think so. Like, he probably, right? well, he probably got contracted in. So. Yeah. I'm excited for that all the time. But yeah, this was really, really good. I mean, it's obviously pushing Batman over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like, extremely but god jesus yeah when when batman's hanging out with um who's who's the who is this guy roman this guy oh Tell that's uh, the, the prince guy canto 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 he's the dark side's assassin okay and he's just dressed like a like a foppish prince because victorian because era. kirby thought that would be a nice juxtaposition with him being okay. a sadist and torture, I guess. I just love that he's got Batman like strung up upside down with his legs spread and he's 
threatening to saw him in half through the balls. <laughs> yeah, starting at the balls and working his way to his head. Stop and the fact, the the fact he says the best part is because, yeah, you're upside down, so all the blood rushes to your head, so, so you stay conscious that much longer yeah. to feel more pain. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Batman escapes and yeah. goes, to, goes to take care of KG Beast. Um, the colors in this are amazing. Uh, really good. Mm, yeah. I also was going to point out, I like that apparently Bronze Tiger is just now part of the Bat family. Just sta- yeah. staking a claim on real estate from Batman. <laughs> yeah. Well, was he, he was in. He was in the I Am Suicide yeah. uh, volume of the Rebirth. Then he helped like break in and go after Bane. And then in New 52, he was part of Suicide Squad, I thought. It's just, I don't really know much about this character. I just didn't know he was that big of a Batman yeah. buddy. Well, when he was introduced in the 70s, he was a good guy. Okay. And I think in the 80s, he might have been briefly involved with Suicide Squad, that version of Suicide Squad. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't know if he's a Gotham character originally. I don't know how he got involved so much with the Batman family. So, um, Dick Town. Dick Town. Pretty good. Pretty good. Right? Yeah. I got to say, though, yeah. the two-page right. panel spread of Batman walking through the snow to the cabin in the woods... It's so badass. It's so badass, yeah. and that's exactly where I keep thinking you really got to stop messing with Batman. Like, yeah, what what is wrong with you guys? I like, I think <laughs> you're better off if you want to take out Batman. You should probably just take Batman out directly. Mm-hmm. I think going for anything outside of Batman is going to make it worse for everybody for yeah. you because <laughs> that yeah. just walk just says it right there. And how his cape just looks so cool, like flapping the wind, especially when he's walking away to uh, when it starts cutting out with Alfred, like getting lost the transmission like the cape's just so big yeah and like starts flapping i like um that's a thing that tom king's characters keep doing um in this series especially batman like this this was where, where you've got one big page with a bunch of different versions of the character mm-hmm. and their movements mm-hmm. um he did it in i am suicide i think it was mm-hmm. with like climbing up bane's castle and yep oh, yeah. he, he just keeps on doing this and I, I it really works well you do such a good Tom you did such a good job Tom King yeah why'd you take Lagoon Boy away from me <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was cute that he threw an apocalyptic character yeah. in here Canto and, and made and, it work without it being like a cheesy like oh wink wink nod nod I'm writing Mr. Miracle too he has drinks with KG Beast I mean m- mad respect for KG Beast apparently <laughs> yeah don't yeah. want to mess with him uh, I would give Nightwing, number 50, a seven and a half. And I would give Batman, number 56, an eight. Um, keep up the good work, team. I, I would give Nightwing seven. I mean, it was, it was very interesting, and I'm curious to see where the direction goes. It wasn't like anything like, spectacular that like, was like, whoa. It's just like, okay, this is, see how like, this plays out. Batman, I would give an eight. That was, yeah, it's good, and I'm like the climax of this thing is gonna be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like the payoff is gonna be good. Fighting KJ Beast. Yeah, I'll give Batman a nine, and I can't. I don't know if I can't grade Nightwing because I've only read half the issue. I like it. So did far. you read the present time half, or did you read the past half, <laughs> I or read, do you read things I read, in order? I read it in order. I read the first half of the book. Oh. So uh, I read the first half of the present and past. I don't know if you got to that part though, real. Quick before we leave Dick's corner, I do like the fact that uh, 
Scarecrow is in the asylum freaking out afraid and oh, yeah, normally you see that. that like those terrified bat like exaggerations of what he's seeing the fact that it's a robin and that's what he's afraid of is the, yeah. the kid that can fear nothing <laughs> yeah it was very interesting i liked that a lot yeah yeah that was cool uh well we should pause for a moment okay. and make sure that we thank our sponsor murphy's apple juice thank you uh, murphy's found at murphysapplejuice.com they make I mean, I don't want to say it's the best apple juice I've ever put inside of me, um, put inside my mouth, had inside my mouth, um, enjoyed inside my mouth, but I will say that it's pretty tasty. And uh, when you drink Murphy's apple juice, you know it's not cider because they don't make cider, Um, but you do know that it came from apples. And uh, if you go to their website at murphysapplejuice.com, you will be treated to a lot of information, including an article that explains exactly what an apple is. And uh, I think it's important to know what you're putting inside your body. And I would encourage everybody to go to murphysapplejuice.com, find out what an apple is, and uh, feast your eyes and other organs on their bottle shapes. Um, There's really no... No graceful way to say it, so I'm not going to say it. But their bottle shapes are ungraceful. <laughs> thanks, Murphy's. Um, but fun. Thanks, Murphy's. Cheers. Cheers to Murphy's. <laughs> you can't laugh. I don't see why. I didn't not. say anything funny before we edited this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking of you know, internal joke. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk for a moment about Border Town Number Two by Eric M. Esquivel and Ramon Villalobos with Tamara Bonville on uh, Bonville. Bonville. She, she on. was on another one of the books too. Yeah. Yeah. She's drawing, she's coloring a lot. I love her last name. This, I like this even more than the first one. <laughs> I thought this book was I, awesome. Yeah. I think I did too. The first one was really, really solid setup of, you know, a, a disaffected kid being forced to move to a town that he didn't want to move to. And, meeting a motley crew of buddies who end up kind of experiencing something that binds them together. Uh, And then this one just kind of follows that and gives us more of the bad guys, which are horrifying, like disgusting little monsters uh, coming from hell and sort of uh, becoming everybody's, everybody's greatest fear, whoever's greatest fear uh, is whoever's observing them's greatest fear. Like it. Kind of like it, yeah. But this is a whole bunch of its. Ugh. And it's, it's really, really well done. All the characters are super, super well fleshed out for being just two issues in. Like, I, I understand the guy who always wears a luchador mask a little bit better than I would expect to this, this quickly. Mm. And, like, the violence is amazing. The cliffhanger at the end is awesome yeah. like that the town is built <laughs> on an old uh an old mayan pyramid oh wow right um old aztec pyramid aztec pyramid um yeah dude this this book is rad it is and the and i love the art i love the coloring oh there was something that oh, where where'd it go it's weird and spooky, and it and it's obviously you know touching on oh current current affairs, um, but there's still a tiny bit. Where'd it go? 
Oh, the talk, the fast food taco place they're hanging out in. Um, the humor there that's called "What You Talk About." <laughs> <laughs> what chew taco bout? <laughs> uh, I got one for you, Roman. Okay, radar softer. Law, Stark. Think about it. What? I'm just saying it. You just said it. Yeah, yeah. Say it again. Radar. Wait. Radar softer. Law Stark. Yeah. Radar softer. Law Stark. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I just tricked you into saying Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Never have to trick me into saying that. But yeah, the all four of our main characters here just. Getting glimpses. I love the page where it shows after they split up, after they fought um, the creatures from mm-hmm. the from the Aztec hell, whatever it is. It shows each of them in their rooms and how their rooms are so vastly different and, and mirror their personalities. Yeah. And their family lives. I mean, you see the one guy, uh, his parents, the guy that just moved into town, his parents, and it's just like, ugh. God, you just feel for this kid. Yeah, his dad's his, his stepdad's kind of gross, and yeah, just it's it's a really really well put together comic, and his um, Ramon Villalobos art is is super intricate and kind of like there's there's too much going on to really catch everything. Yeah, and it it makes you it makes you feel like you're. You can't read this comic slow enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I had to go through it, and because I the one guy, um, what was his name? Uh, the kid who wears l- the luchador mask. Mm-hmm. When they're in the in the fast food restaurant, you see it's it's got some rips and stuff in it, and you see later on in the series there's some other rips. And when he shows him in his bedroom, I was wondering because of those panels, and then the art in his bedroom answers the question. It's like, oh, okay, he does have more than one mask. He it's, does? It's, yeah, it's not just one stinky, disgusting mask he's been wearing for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the monsters in this book remind me of the monsters in M- M- Maestros. Oh, yeah. Did you, read, did, did you finish Maestros? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I did. It's like very, very similar kind of grotesquery going on with these guys. Yeah, that one two-page spread of all the... Uh, these Aztec horrible creatures. Yeah. I studied that for quite a while because I was like, oh my gosh, look at <laughs> the woman that's half burned and scarred riding the horse who's, the horse's its face, it's from, it's like mane down the front of its face to the end of its snout. It's it's just bone peeled back. The top half of it. <laughs> but the rest of the horse is yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, super good horror book. I'm excited to keep reading this. I, I hope this book either... Goes on forever or stops right when it's supposed to. Interesting. I'm flipping through it right now. It looks really, looks really fun. Uh, I would give this a, an eight and a half. Eight and a half horrible monsters. Yep. Eight and a half uh, uh, sympathetic chupacabras. <laughs> I'll give it a good shout out to that Green Lantern poster in the background of this kid. Yeah, he's got a Kyle Rayner poster in the background. Oh yeah, there's pop, there's pop culture stuff all over in I love this it. book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about a book. Wait a minute. Yes. Guys, I think before every single book, I've said let's talk a little bit about. Let's, 
I miss Jeff. Let's talk some about. Where's Jeff? Let's talk a whole lot about. Does color on Border Town? I'd love to. The color on it's really cool. Yeah. Hey, motherfuckers, did you read Cosmic <laughs> Ghost Rider number four? I did. <laughs> Fucking tell me about Come it. Come on, Fuck. Uh, well, I missed out on issue three, but oh, I jumped no. back in this. So I missed out on the fact that a, a Thanos Punisher from the future shows up, <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly kind of funny, that I'm and I'm happy that I missed three because then that just kind of all of a sudden <laughs> – all right, it's really going out of no out of left field here, man. With this book, you just kind of have to shrug and say, "All right, show me, show me what kind of ridiculous shit you're gonna do." It was it was really good. I like that. Uh, you know, it's this Thanos that's raised by Frank, raised by Frank, and Frank feels happy that he he feels like he did the right right thing, taking Thanos under his wing, and then you know just happens to look and. Like he shows him this this kind of paradise that he made, yeah, and like it's this beautiful wind powered farmland thing, and he he shows him himself hanging out with his his girlfriend, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, I, somebody pointed this out to me, but when you see Frank hanging out with the lady, I thought it was his wife, his wife, yeah, they're hanging out on the farm that he didn't get in the the Punisher series that Brayden liked so much. Oh, I did not know that. Like the, the Iron Man suit Punisher. Oh, War Machine oh. Punisher? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. I did not know that. But then it, then they reveal, of course, that uh, Thanos didn't didn't actually do that. In, or, in order to make this beautiful place, he had to enslave an entire planet, and there's like blimps that say liberty and penance with the Punisher logo on them, and Giant statues of Thanos uh, standing over the Statue of Liberty, which looks a little bit like a skull. And so Frank is super mad at Thanos for that. Yeah. And then, yeah, the fact that he points out, like, Frank with his wife, and Frank kind of has an emotional moment, and then kind of is telling him, this isn't, like, none of this is real. Like, this can't be how things end up. I also like the end of this issue, too, where it kind of turns full circle. Where Thanos beats the <laughs> shit out of him and tells him he has to be his herald? Yeah. So does that mean that, that Thanos is Galactus also? Or is Thanos just conquering in the style of Galactus? I guess so. I mean, wasn't Thanos, or wasn't Cosmic Ghost Rider like his herald in Thanos already, though? Like he was Galactus' well, herald, yeah, but then Thanos pretty much employed... Cosmic Ghost Rider as like his herald kind of enslaved him, right? Yeah, yeah. as like a like a footman. Yeah, almost. but did, did, did Thanos always have the ability to shoot lasers from his eyes? I couldn't remember. We got to that scene, and I, I was I couldn't re- remember if he did because those look like they actually look like the Omega beams. That's what, I, what if Donny Cates is actually Tom King, <laughs> and he got confused about which big purple bad guy he was writing oh, for a minute? No, it was either that or I thought it was like he also somehow had the penance stare. Well, I guess I, I guess what what you have to just accept, whether he has been able to do that historically or not, is that he can do it now. now yeah, <laughs> and he is doing yeah. it now. So uh, this <laughs> this issue was awesome. Again, just wacky and wild. Just a comic book made out of comic books, man. And this, I think, it's a five issue series. Yeah, right? it's done. <laughs> so no, we got one five, more five. issue for them to have some ending. Wow. Kill everybody and 
tie off the like the bloody stump of this ridiculous universe because this whole thing breaks the Marvel universe. Yeah, in the best way for this story. Probably in the worst way for the entire business plan of Marvel going forward for the next 35 years or whatever, whatever they have scheduled for movies and stuff. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it is. And there's little, and even little baby Thanos doesn't get short shift in this. I was just looking through it again. And while, while, while Punisher Thanos and Ghost Rider Frank are talking, Baby Thanos, there's a blue butterfly that lands on his face, and next time there's a few panels you don't see him. Next time you see him, he's eating the butterfly. Yeah. And I just noticed on the next page, down in one corner, you see Baby Thanos, and there's another blue butterfly flying toward him, and he's like, oh, because now he's got a taste for him. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. Uh, I would give this an eight and a half. It's just really, really enjoyable. It's so yep. dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, I would give it an eight. I came in, and as soon as I saw the page where it showed Punisher Thanos, I laughed, and I was like, all right. <laughs> I, this book is exactly what it is. Dude, if you missed an issue, you got to just go back and read it, because I think it was the last issue that has the space sharks. And, oh, my gosh. They, uh, sold, they sell so fast. He killed everybody. We've got some We've got some threes left. We're oh, out of two, God. but we've got some threes left. I mean, I'm excited to ha- like get this all on like a shelf. When oh, it's, yeah. like comes in a collection. It's going to be a lot of fun to have. You think it's going to be a hardcover of Thanos wins and Cosmic Ghost Rider together? Oh, that'd be cool. Forever. That would be nice. I'm still waiting for that big Silver Surfer like collection to come oh, out. Oh, the Mike Allred one? Mm-hmm. God, the, that, the one that hit people in tears. Yeah. I hate Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And I love that series. <laughs> that book made me cry. Yeah, it was so good. I, I cried when I lost my Silver Surfer action figure when I was a kid. Oh. Fell out the side of a Bronco. <laughs> like like the horse? No. Yeah, what was it doing inside a Bronco? <laughs> You're supposed to tattoo it. <laughs> You're supposed to finish the tattoo from the inside. <laughs> In case anybody, like, hopped inside. Roman, oh, what, what would you give I'll this go to eight, I'll go to eight and a half, too. All right. Guys, we're coming. We're, we're closing in on it. Etzle, octe, itale, outbe, adershe, arste. I failed that in high school. Let's talk a little <laughs> about Shatterstar. You know him. You love him. Helicopters <laughs> love him. Tim Seeley wrote this. Carlos Villa wrote, uh, penciled it. And Juan Vel- Velasco? Juan Velasco inked it. Mm. Uh, well, with Gerardo Sandoval doing the flashback art and Carlos Lopez on colors. I didn't read this. Mostly because, you know... Fuck Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Did you read, you didn't read it? No, I read it. I read it. I read it. I read it. I liked it a lot. This uh, oh, normally I have like, to read it. <laughs> I I went for reading it because it was Tim Seeley, and I really liked the stuff that Tim Seeley's done for like Green Lanterns um, and everything. And it was Shatterstar, and it seemed like pretty good time after that Deadpool two movie came out. He showed up, and he was an X Men character, so I was excited, and I was not disappointed. This was. Uh, technically, he was a New Mutants character. Oh, shit. <laughs> he had some crossovers with the X-Men. I mean, they're all in the same category. <laughs> they're they're all X-Men, New Mutants, X-Force. All under the same X-Umbrella. Yeah, they're all under the X-Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this issue was so much fun. It wasn't what I was expecting the story to be, especially the twist at the end with uh, the, what do they call him? Grandmaster? 
Oh, right. Yeah, the Grandmaster the turns Grandmaster. out to be. In, he's taken over Mojo World? He's taken over Mojo World, and he's he is setting up the stage for Shatterstar to go back into fighting to provide entertainment, which I thought was really, really interesting. Hmm. But I like the fact that I wasn't expecting anything from this character, let alone him being a landlord to like a bunch of tenants. Yeah. And then talking about the the idea of being a landlord and then the comparison of him from being this like gladiator type person that was raised on a world of like fighting and entertainment to like finding satisfaction and having the title of like landlord and stuff and you know, finding meaning and like helping out the tenants and doing things for the tenants, I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah, and he talks about it in such a, like it's such a regal title or whatever. He's like, this title wouldn't sound great, but this one I love, <laughs> and his love for plays. Yeah, he talks about how you know he's, he got he got this building, became a landlord to help out other um, disenfranchised, lost folks like himself, and and he says how in the arena I would I would have fought and spilled sp- spilled so much blood mm-hmm. to earn this title of landlord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it's, I think we talked about it a little bit though. Even though I know a little bit sh- about Shatterstar and we talked about it, I only knew one other like real character from this besides Grandmaster that made an appearance in it mm. and that was Richter. Yeah. And I only know Richter from reading New Mutants. Um but all his like all of his tenants were all from different universes or yeah. So like, and it was like a almost like a house of people that were refugees of the other universes that he was looking after, like a talking evil pug. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And they're all kind of I mean, I don't know if any of them have appeared before this issue. I don't I have these, no idea. But these two guys are definitely their characters, if I understand these two roommates that talk about movie ideas, they're supposed to be these two gods or something in another okay. comic from a long time I was thinking ago. These guys are definitely inspired by supposed to be Kirby type characters. Yeah. Even they're even even their names Goldon and Crimzor. Crimzor, because they come yeah. from a world that's all about colors or something. Yeah, dude. There's no way Crimzor was <laughs> named in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was very interesting. We're so far beyond that. <laughs> The narration yeah. was good. I love that third-person narration kind of stuff where it's not the main character talking. It's somebody else narrating it with that reveal at the end that it's somebody else doing all of the monologuing. Yeah, I really like that too. And like you were just saying, um, 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 how he, he loves plays so much yeah. because they're – what does he say? They're characters – because they're all about characters mm-hmm. and stories that are just expressing, expressing different ideas and emotions and stuff. They're not up there providing entertainment – just for battle gladiatorially, which is what he was created to do. Yeah. And I like the fact that he's just fascinated with plays because of that concept, because it's so wild and revolutionary to him. What do you think he thinks of uh, pro wrestling? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I hope that Tim Seeley tackles that <laughs> in another issue. Tackles that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Body slams that. <laughs> Give uh, him the spear. So, yeah, I like how he, they get set up where all of his tenants get kidnapped, and he sees that some of them are familiar faces. I like that one of them... Yeah. Ooh, tight. Thank you. Have a uh, Murphy's. Have a Murphy's. Uh, I like one of them is like this girl that is something about sm- like her theme is like smiling. Oh yeah. Or whatever yeah. when she fights and the smiling executioner. Yeah, the smiling executioner. I love this flashback that it has of her fighting against them, and she has like two, a half of a smiling face on each palm of her hand, so she puts it up to her cheeks, 
which seems like a better direction than oh. what Jared Leto did in Suicide Squad with the, the, <laughs> the hand yeah. over the mouth. They, yeah. Instead of doing two palms, the two palms looks way better, honestly. Nice. That, yeah, that looks way cool. more fun. But I don't think Jared Leto could pull that off. He was fine. <laughs> Slow laugh was a little weird, but I mean, could have done could have done something differently. Uh, so yeah, I this was a lot of fun, and I've been. I wasn't sure going in. I knew I was going to read it because Tim Seeley wrote it, but I wasn't sure how much I was going to like it. And the first issue really got me very interested and hooked. And it's only a limited series, so. Yeah. So what do you give it? I'm going to give it uh, nine of his double swords mm, out of ten. Nine shatter swords. Nine so, shatter so swords. would that really be eighteen? Yeah, eighteen shatter swords. <laughs> All right, Roman, how many eyes do you get? <laughs> uh, I'll get uh I'll give it a I'll give it an 8. I was really surprised cuz I read it just cuz it was a number 1 issue. I didn't care about Shatterstar cuz like you said Rob Liefeld and I was thought, "Wow, Shatterstar is like a knockoff of Longshot except not as interesting." He's like yeah. the, he's the son of Longshot. Is he? Yeah, he's like a genetic like like product of Longshot or something. Listen, guys, when I said that Shatterstar had an annual spanning event, I think I meant Longshot. Nope. It was Shattershot. Shattershot. It was both of them. Yeah. Longstar. Ooh. Careful. That's a Texas show. (laughs) Did, (laughs) Did, um... Okay, see, I forgot about that. I just knew that he followed Longshot into, like, the X universe, and he's from Mojo World. That's yeah. all I knew about I him. don't remember if I read, like, he was, like, a direct son, but I know his, like, DNA is part Longshot, and then, like, yeah, he kind of doesn't tell Longshot that he's, like, his kid or something, hmm. which, I, I mean, I thought was, when I first read it, I'm like, they must be related because they both have that weird star thing on their eye. Yeah. Man, that's our show... Do you want to say anything about anything else? I don't know. I read, I read some other stuff. But Superior I don't... Octopus was awesome. X Men Black was good. Walking Dead was a comic. It was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would say about X Men Black, I didn't tell you, Roman. I like the fact that you know I've always seen Magneto as like a superior like ex- like race, like mutants are the superior race, like looks down on humans. This is really interesting, kind of you know even with all the progression that he's done, but this one talking about mutants with like a millennial and how they. <laughs> Are also kind of like what the like what the fuck like they're people too like they didn't do anything wrong they're just kids and Magneto is totally about this kid's like you were totally right like your generation is so right like what is wrong with like all these older people just hating on mutants all the time like we're just trying to live our lives I like one of them Eric with a K (laughs) (laughs) exactly so I like that he has like this mission still. But it's kind of less directed at all humans is mm-hmm. the way he comes across it in this new issue, and more specifically to like the older generation, it's like going extreme, but like also sending a message, yeah, in a new way, which I thought was good and a nice way to tackle it for the new time and to keep him being a villain since he's going to be one again now, right, right, yeah. Uh, well, I have uh, I have a note here from a guy that we all know. Uh, and I was supposed to do this earlier. Let's see. Dino Chapman. Dino. You guys know Dino? I know Dino. Oh, I do yeah. know Dino. Yeah, Dino says, if you guys talk about the Venom movie on the podcast, you can say Dino thought it was Excellent. a... I bet he loved it. 
Riot. Oh! Get it? I got it. Get it? Riot is a bad guy in the movie, Roman. Oh, is he? Okay. <laughs> Riot's a Venom symbiote. You know what I noticed about that movie? Yes. They must have gone back and done some sort of ADR to get rid of the pronunciation symbiote because it was in the trailer and it was not in the movie. Oh, they did. I thought I saw somebody comment about that. Yeah. And I think they also went back and had Tom Hardy redo most of his lines because his accent goes in and out through the whole thing. Hmm. Yeah. Man, he's got a tough time with accents ever since Dark Knight Rises. That's a lovely, lovely voice. I, I wasn't expecting a, you know, kind of a spiritual successor to Spider-Man 3, though, <laughs> in terms of, like, it was a better Spider-Man 3 than Spider-Man 3. Huh. Yeah, I would, I would give it that. I had fun watching it. I, I would definitely... I would definitely see the second. I mean, I'm always see. Yeah. I would see the second one no matter what. It's a it's a superhero movie. Can't wait to see Ashton Lucaris in the sequel. <sighs> Ashton, <laughs> I've been wondering uh, thanks, where he's been. Thanks to Nick Waite for our music. Uh, you can find his music at SoundCloud slash Stemmingway. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah, sounds right. Jeff keeps this in his brain. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> thanks to our favorite. Well, let's be honest. Thanks to our only sponsor <laughs> so far, uh, Murphy's Apple Juice. Find them at murphysapplejuice.com slash papcast. And uh, when you check out, enter the code papjuice in order to get uh, some of all of their free juices. I think you get like four. Is it four? Four, think, four free bottles? Is it four or six? I think it's four, four or six. And, and the thing is, like, each of their bottles is ribbed for your pleasure. Yes. They're... Uh, they're spectacular. Um, <laughs> they feel weird in your hand. They feel great. You know. Um, give us a call. Rate us on Facebook. Tell people about us. Like, seriously, we are trying to double our listenership. Downloadership. Let's say <laughs> listenership. Download yeah. listenership. We want you to download and listen. Yeah. Download or listenership. Um, download our thing. Listen to it. Trick your friends into doing it. Get them, uh, get them on that. Um, I got nothing else. I'm Django, and I read some comics. I'm Trevor, and I read some comics, too. And I'll turn in my guest badge on the way out. <laughs> no, you can hang on to that. You're, you're always welcome. Frame it. I, I'm Roman, yeah. I also read some comics. Many of the same comics as you guys. Uh, Roman, I'm, I'm going to need you to turn in your badge and your gun on your way out. I'm, I'm not giving either one up. Put that right out of your mind. Apples are not the forbidden fruit. So, so the anti-apple lobby got into the Book of Genesis and monkeyed around. I, I mean, I don't want to. Probably doctors. I don't want to sh- throw shade, like apple tree shade, on any kind of yeah, yeah. doctors or teachers or uh, the the orange juice lobby. But you know, whatever it is, <laughs> there's no proof. There's just no actual proof that the forbidden fruit is an apple. Just some delicious juice you can drink. In the dick corner.